Welcome to the Energy News Beat Podcast Daily Stand-Up. My name's Stu Turley, President and CEO of the Sandstone Group. And today is the May 12th, Friday morning. You've made it through another great week. We are so glad that you are here with us this week. We are going to have a a summary of all the best stories that Michael and I talked about this week. But I also want to give you a tee-up that legislation through regulation is real. The EPA released a new uh, rule on fossil fuel burning plants, essentially proposing zero admissions by 2038. This is going to be costly to everyone in the U.S. for increasing their uh, energy bills. So with that, uh, you're going to stay tuned because we've got some great interviews coming around the corner with other CEOs uh, about this very uh, important topic. Thanks and have a fantastic weekend. The first one coming around the corner, Dark Side of Solar, more reports tie panel production to toxic pollution. Energy hypocrisy is real and is on the top of the list of hostile opposing forces to humanity worldwide. Um, there's a great quote in there. That's part of the quote from this guy. Let's see here. It is energy hypocrisy is real. And it's on top of the list of the hostile opposing forces to humanity worldwide. Stu Turley. I wonder who that guy is. All right. This article is actually from Michael Schellenberger. I love me some Michael Schellenberger. Love Michael Schellenberger. Great guy. I listen to his podcast all the time. Didn't he run for governor of California? Kind of. He, he did. And he even said he'd come on our podcast. Uh, and then he, he got into the run for governor and he's like ghosted me. I had his book. Uh, it was a good book. And I was going to get him. He wrote San Francisco, which is a real interesting book. And then what's the other one? Um, this one I have it. I, 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 I have it. On I my have it. Yeah, I have it. And uh, I was but whatever. Th- OK, let's let's go ahead. OK, solar panels. I love me some solar. I love me some wind. But let's do the lowest cost kilowatt per hour. Let's go into this here right now. Conventional wisdom today holds that the world will quadruple the number of solar panels in the world over the next decade. And that's not even taking into consideration the impact of possible new regulations and incentives launched by the green-friendly Biden administration, said Wasson uh, Love and Duran Wright in the HBR. Okay, the volume of solar panels will destroy the economics of solar, even with the subsidies, they say, by 2035. Here's how. The pollutants that are in solar panels, there is no plan to recycle. So if you are truly lover of the planet, which I am, I love me some planet. I happen to live on it. You've got to recycle the 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 solar panels, Michael. And if you can't recycle them, these things go into waste and cause more damage than any oil ever thought of doing. Well, it. because we just ship our trash overseas and it's out of sight, out of mind. Oh, you know, it's oh no. it, we, it no. gets 
this is going into landfills around the U.S. This True, is, but this but, is in but, your backyard. Oh, a thousand percent. But most of our trash gets shipped overseas. That's true. Like Africa is the dumping ground of the world. China dumps all of its trash into Africa. We yeah. send a lot of our electronics to old electronics to China, which end up. So what I'm saying is, yes, this is being this stuff's being recycled, not recycled. It's just being sent elsewhere, which is horrible. Right. I thought this paragraph was interesting in this article. A new major study on the economics of solar that was published in the Harvard Business Review. The Harvard Business Review, okay, finds that waste produced by solar panels will make electricity from solar panels four times more expensive um, than the world's leading energy analyst thought. Quote, here's a quote from that. The economics of solar, this is by Atle Atus and Luke von Wassenhoop. If you don't think those guys are smart, I can't help you. They're the Institute European Administration, but for what? One of the leading European business schools. I don't even know what that means. And some dude from University of Calgary said, the economics of solar will quickly darken as the industry sinks under the weight of its own trash. And uh, wind is just as bad. True. But I think that's, I mean, in this specific case, I found that one of the most compelling paragraphs in this article, if only because, you know, you know, it goes on to say the volume of solar panel waste will destroy the economics of solar, even with the subsidies. They say by 2035, discarded panels will outweigh new units sold by 2.56 times. In turn, this would catapult the leverage cost of energy, the LOC, which everybody talks about, to four times the current projection. Another key art, uh, thing in here in this article, Michael, the HBR authors um, who are business school professors looked at the economics from the point of view of the consumer or customer and past trends and calculated that customers would replace the panels far sooner than every 30 years. My calculations are coming in on wind farms. I haven't even done solar yet around that eight year mark. And I've been validated. I've been validated, as we say here in Texas, validated the the stew number. This eight years, baby. This new calculation. Hey, uh, and they only come net zero on wind farms around mm, 10 years on carbon net zero. Kill the whales. Okay, Michael, you and I have been having some discussions. You just don't care about the whales. Uh, me, I love me some whales. I'm a humanitarian. I care about people. You, heartless to the core. All you do is you care about finances and making money. And me, I'm over here going green is good, but let's finance it properly. There's a, on the energy news beat, I love this picture. There's a, a, a sniper scope uh, pointed at a whale fluke. I, I just got really tickled at this one. It was authored by James Rickard uh, uh, via the Daily Reckoning. This came in on one of our feeds that we pay for. And this one says, on Friday morning, Joe Biden signed an executive order directing every federal agency to work towards environmental justice for all. If the future of the planet is on the line, then you can justify whatever extreme measure you want to enact. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm getting really tired of this when we can't even have a discussion. Here are the facts. They got it backward. I love the way he uh, phrased it. There's a slight warming trend from 1985 to around 2005, although there's nothing unusual. Since 2005, there's been a slight cooling trend. But again, that's not unusual. Okay, let's leave climate change off off this discussion. Let's talk about wind farm and the damage that we are doing to children 
I know that you don't like abusing children, Michael. I, I you you relate to them at the mall. They all come up to you, Michael. They come up to you because you're the same height. They love you. Okay, so you've got to put into your mind the copper mind. The kids have to be listened to, Michael. Go champion them. Please, Michael, I implore you, save the whales and the children. Michael, for our podcast listeners, I'm begging Michael to just change his ways. No, I, I, (laughs) that was good, actually. Um, I am with you on. I think wind is a bad investment, even from a finance perspective. I don't right. think, you know, talking about leverage cost of energy, talking about the recycling game, talking about some of the negative second order of effects that happen from this. My only thing is if a few whales die, I'm cool with it. That's really all my, that's okay. really all it is. That's all I've been saying this whole time. Oil saved them the first time when we, yep. we, we now wind's going to kill them. Wind's going to kill, kill them again. And oil and natural gas are going <laughs> to save them this time. It's a good point. Actually, they're going to have to save them twice. Reap shipping companies are making a huge sum of money by moving large volumes of Russian oil that other tankers are unwilling to touch. Tighter of the article, Greek tankers owner dominate Russian oil trade. Uh, many of these tankers are still covered by Western insurance. And this is the most interesting part, suggesting that they have been complying with the price cap. So this price cap is working. Now, does that mean the price cap is actually working or is there that big of a discount for Ural oil? That's the other thing that I don't think people are taking into account is there was already a huge discount for the, the Russian crude grade, which is known as Urals. If you played Risk, Ural, it's kind of funny. It's that little, uh, I don't know if it was ever a country at some point. I'm, I'm, I, I could be looking like a big idiot right now for not knowing where the, the term Ural came from let me know if if it's something if it's something that i should know but whatever i just remember it from risk is this country that was always hard to invade um and you're always like oh, i got earl shoot okay whatever but my point being here is that these greek tankers are complying with the oil with the oil price cap what does that mean does that mean they're does that mean that they're a buying by the price cap? No, it's just that's Russian oil on the open market is trading below. So a lot of this Russian price cap, what we've talked about in that first article is just posturing. And so it comes back to people just don't want Russia to be able to export oil. And it comes back to a much more geopolitical conversation of we should be con- who controls what other people should do. And I don't know if there's a clean answer to that, but Greek shipping companies are have their hands full in all of this. TSM tankers, um, Eastern Mediterranean, um, dynamic. Amico tankers and Mivera Maritime are all included in the list for proposed sanctions. Because get this, guess what's happening? Basically, Ukraine has added all of these firms to a list of international sponsors of war. It's a little... I don't know what to think of that, to be honest with you. It's, you know, I mean, I'm sure Stu, Stu is definitely on the international sponsors of war list for the way he talks glowingly about Putin. So I have no doubt that this list is probably a little bit political, but it is funny to think that now all of a sudden abiding by the price cap, which was set in place by G7 nations and agreed upon by Ukraine. Now, if you abide by it and you follow the rules, you will get on the international sponsors of war. That seems a little bit like, okay, what more do you want? Do you just, do you want to go for an outright ban? Then go for an outright ban. Just tell me that's what you want to do, but they won't. They won't necessarily make that total step. Why? I can't tell you that, but that's what they want to do. You know, 
I think moving on, the next thing that's you know important to cover before we dive into finance is really, you know, we'll dive into a little bit of what the this Bureau of Labor Statistical Report means macroeconomically here in the finance section coming up. But what it means for the oil field service sector is interesting because we saw jobs climb five thousand and one hundred in its to its highest level since March of twenty twenty, which is absolutely insane because that is right before COVID hit. So what does that mean? As oil prices have pretty consistently dogged in the last three months. We've actually seen still growth in the oil field service sector, which me seems to me activity is still staying high. We've seen rigs continue to rise. Companies might be figuring out or are dealing with windfall profits that they've made from all of the, you know, the the, the six-month period of hundred dollar oil that they are continually to invest in capital. You know, we're about to cover some interesting thoughts from Devin. There are other things companies are doing with their windfall profits, but they're definitely dumping them back into pouring out more capital or else the oil oil field services sector wouldn't be hiring because as you know, one of a, a very good proxy for how the industry is going from a spending level is how many jobs in the oil field service sector. You know, there's a, you know, the Energy Workforce and Technology Council CEO, Leslie Breyer, this April jobs increase are significant and show the resilience of our sector through a slowing overall economy. Do I necessarily agree that it's a slowing overall economy? She's right, which is, I, I, I guess I do agree with that. I think we're headed off to a little bit more of a cliff than anything. Um, but, you know, good for the, good for the U.S. oil field sector. Love to see jobs keep going. Uh, let's find a way to get tax subsidies for clean energy right. Hmm. Fiscal support will stimulate private investments in clean energy and foster innovation. But there are risks, says the first paragraph. Governments must get it right to avoid a wasted opportunity, says Augustin Redona, Patrick Lane, and Furham Alu of the Council of Economic Policies. After years of procrastination, governments worldwide are finally providing substantial fiscal support to clean energy. They've been doing it all along, dude. I mean, they have flat doing it. I do like this. The Oxy Oxford Global Recovery Observatory and International Energy Agency estimate global fiscal uh, commitments on green measures between 1 trillion and 1.2 trillion since 2020. Kind of goes with what I just said. The OECD Green Recovery Database estimates roughly similar amount of 1.1 trillion euros in government spending allocated to environmentally positive measures. Here's where the problem is on the Inflation Reduction Act. That's the next paragraph down. All of the uh, inflation reduction items, including the the tax credits and tra- tax deductions for EVs, had a lot of strings on them. Michael, it was almost yep. like a can of can of worms. And in fact, they wanted them built in the U.S. They wanted the minerals done in the U.S. None of the minerals are done in the U.S. So when they actually came through with all of these things put in there, the unions were upset. Because it meant that not many union jobs would be getting money from the Inflation Reduction Act. Last week, the unions walked away from Biden. So you sit back and kind of go, he's lost a lot of his base based off of the tax credits being a farce. Yeah. Well, I I agree with most of what you said. I think what's interesting in this, what this article does is bring up what I've been preaching is the unintended consequences of 
quote unquote, subsidizing clean energy the right way. They, they bring it up. Another concern is that law may not be as environmentally friendly as presented to lawmakers. There are always unintended consequences to harm natural ecosystems, particularly in developing economies due to the supply chain components of clean tech. They go on to cite an example of the, the as you mentioned, the EV, which is already showing huge, you know, as we've talked about the deforestation and the biodiversity, you love to talk about how the whales are dying because we're rolling out offshore wind. You know, it, it clearly the unintended consequences of this stuff needs to be taken into account. So if we're going to do anything um, subsidy wise, understanding those second order effects are critical. Right. And and the uh, right under the unknown fiscal cost, I love this, Michael, in this, it says the tax and climate law is already subject to debate, which will prompt useful lessons for other countries. They're printing money just as fast as we can right now. First, prov- uh, providing tax credits without funding cap could turn out to have a very costly impact on government coffers. The Congressional Budget Office has estimated that the energy and climate provisions would cost over $369 billion over 10 years, but they also admit they don't know how much it's going to cost. Huh. Let's ask for an open checkbook. Can't do it. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll take a I'll, I'll take a easy check, please. The wind and solar power myth has finally been exposed. You know, it is really kind of interesting to see what's coming around. People are really wanting to not have to pay so much in in food, energy, or gas. And this article I thought was really well, really good. These plans have a single fatal flaw. They are reliant on the pipe dream that is there is some affordable way to store surplus electricity at scale. That's the biggest problem. And some of this is really uh, pretty good quotes in here. And it is the scale of the issue. We need to consider the scale. Relatively simple calculations show that California would need over 200 megawatts of storage per installed megawatt of wind and solar. Germany could probably manage with 150 megawatts per megawatt. So per uh, megawatt per hour per megawatt. This is expensive. Solar and wind capacity is uh, very, you can't go on 100% solar. You can't go on 100% wind. And the getting to the net zero emissions of carbon in the near future, the U.S. and the U.K. say they will deliver by 2050. It's widely believed that wind and solar power can achieve this. They can't. There's a lot of things that are coming around the corner. We have supply chain issues. We have the fact that the infrastructure bill has actually, and the Inflation Reduction Act, have actually printed money. You may have access to the money, but you may not have access to the products to even get the done, uh, any of the installations done. And then there's permitting. So uh, I thought this... Uh, was very, very good article. Uh, I thought this other, this last piece in here, and I'll go to the next article after this. Solar power disappears completely every night and drops by 50% or more during cloudy days. 
capacity, meaning a meaningless figure for wind or solar plant, about 3,000 megawatts hour of wind and solar is needed to replace 1,000 megawatts of conventional power in terms of energy over time. So it's about the physics. I hope you had a great time this week listening to the Energy News Beat daily stand-up summary for the week. Have a great weekend. Like, subscribe. If you find anything that you need to get the word out, let us know. Send us a note. If you're an industry thought leader and you want to get on the podcast with me, please send me a note, reach out, and we'd love to talk to you about anything going on with energy, geopolitical, renewable, wind, solar, nuclear. We'd love to talk to you about energy. Thanks. Have a great weekend. Talk to you soon.